This is Binu Peniel. You are listening to Cavenomic, a listener-supported podcast bringing to you weekly positive, motivational, innovative leadership conversation. This is episode number 20. Today, I have a friend of mine bringing you God's word. Reverend Mark will be talking to you about stop worrying and uh, start living. I hope this will be a blessing to you and uh, will be a spiritual nugget for your sustenance of your spiritual soul this week. May God bless you. Almighty and most glorious Lord, I'd ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that they would be acceptable to you, and that each and every one of us would hear as you would have us hear, and through your Spirit's power and strength, we might respond as you would have us respond. For I simply ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're focusing on something that we all deal with. Every single one of us, we, we deal with this one particular topic, and, and it's something that affects our health. It, it even affects our, our spirituality. You see, what we're focusing on today is worry. We all worry, do we not? We worry about all kinds of things. We, we worry about this and that. We, we worry about the littlest of things and the biggest of things. We, we could even say that it is a part of our human condition. We as human beings, we are going to worry. In fact, there, there was one man that worried a great deal. And everyone around him knew that he was a worrier. He, he, he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders almost. You could hear it in his, in his voice. You could see it in his body language. He worried about everything. But, but then one day, something dramatic took place in this man's life, and, and he seemed to have this bounce in his step. He had a joy in his voice, and, and one of his friends noticed this, and so he asked him well, what had happened. What had changed in his life that, that, that changed him so much? And the man replied to his friend, he said, Well, you know, I, I came to the realization that all the worrying I was doing wasn't doing any good. And so I hired somebody to do the worrying for me. Well, his friend was kind of shocked by this and had never heard about somebody hiring somebody to do the worrying for him. And so he asked his friend, he said, well, I'm kind of curious. How does that work? And, and how, how much does it really cost to hire somebody to worry for you? Well, the man said, well, it, you know, it really isn't that big of a deal. You know, I, I tell him what's going on and he does the worrying and, and asks for the cost. It really kind of depends on what's going on in my life, but the average is about $1,000 a week. His friend was shocked by it, and without even thinking, he blurted out, well, how can you afford $1,000 a week? And the man said, well, that's not for me to worry about. That's his job now. You know, wouldn't that be so nice if it would be that easy to, to deal with our worrying? Because let's face it, we all worry, don't we? Each and every one of us. There was a, a Peanuts cartoon where, where Charlie Brown and Linus are, are leaning up against that wall and having their conversation. And, and Linus says this, he says, when I hear those coyotes howling at night, it totally depresses me. 
I start feeling lonely, and then I get scared. And Charlie Brown replies, he says, I, I thought holding on to that blanket made you secure. And Linus simply says, I think the warranty has run out. You know, we worry about all kinds of things because the things that we hold on to for security, so often the warranties have run out. And they don't protect us. They don't give us that sense of comfort and reassurance. And we end up worrying. I, I want to share with you a, a book that has meant an awful lot in my life. I, I think it's a very powerful book. It's a very profound book. And it speaks about how you and I worry. And because of that, we, we are robbed from life. The, the book is called The Very Worried Walrus. I said it's a very profound book. It means a lot to me. But, but you know, it's called The Very, very, the very Worried Walrus. And, and it's a book about this walrus that wants to go for a bike ride. That's maybe why I connect with it, being a cyclist. But, you know, he wants to go for a bike ride, but then he gets thinking. What if I ride my bike and I crash into a tree? If I crash into that tree, they're going to have to send an ambulance to, to take me to the hospital. And that ambulance is going to get stuck in traffic. And if that ambulance gets stuck in traffic, they're going to have to send a helicopter to, to rescue me. But there won't be a place to land the helicopter, so they'll lower a rope and tie that rope to my stretcher, and they'll lift me up, and then that rope is going to break, and I'm going to fall into the river, and the tugboat's going to pick me up, and by the time the tugboat drops me off, it's going to be late at night, far from home, and I'm going to have to walk home in the rain. He's a very worried walrus. But does he not represent you and me? We play that what-if game so often in life. What if this happens? Or what if that takes place? Or what if I do this? Or what if I don't do that? All kinds of scenarios. And, and none of them probably are going to happen. But we worry about them, don't we? We worry to the point that we, we get sick over it. We worry about it to the point that we are, are unhappy and, and uncomfortable with life. We are worriers. In fact, I, I couldn't help but to chuckle and laugh earlier this week. I was, I was texting back and forth with one of my friends that's on the cycling team that I race with. And, and we're talking about some different things that is going on on the team. And, and he, received, he sent me this text. He said, yep, that's how I see it too. I'm going to try hard not to spend much mental energy on this. But it's my nature to worry over this kind of crap. Isn't that so true? We, it can be the most meaningless things, the things that mean nothing. But yet we worry about them. We worry about them. We take time and effort and energy trying to, to deal with them because we are worriers. And maybe that's why Jesus has these words for us today. Words that I think we would, would do well to, to step back and listen to and, and, and apply them to our lives. Words that tell us that we simply are not in control of the situation so often in our lives. And so why not just turn those worries over to God? 
those worries over to God because, because let's face it, the worrying, all it does to us is raise our blood pressure and add stress to our lives. Those worries, all they really do is rob us of life itself. In fact, psychologist Dr. Richard Butterworth says this. He says, if you have a real problem, it alone is burden enough without weighing yourself down with another one, that of worry. If you were already ill, would you take something which would further upset you? Eat out the lining of your stomach, give you a headache, or make you tense and irritable? Of course not. Yet that is what we do when we have a problem, and then we treat it with worrying. We simply add another burden. The reality is, things go on around us. And we can worry about them, or we can surrender them over to God. And to be honest with you, when we, when we begin to worry about things, really what it is, it's, it's not really a reflection of the outward circumstances around us, but it's really a reflection of our inner condition. It's not really a, a reflection about that which is going on around us, but it's really a reflection of our inward condition. It's about what's not going on around us, but what's going on inside of us. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. But is there anyone in this room right now that is in danger of going hungry today? Now, I'm not talking about having a, a schedule that you're not sure when lunch is going to take place or dinner being a little later than normal. And therefore being hungry. I'm talking about really going hungry. I'm saying no food at all today. Is there anyone in this room today that is, is afraid that if... Afraid that you're not going to be able to pay off the credit card bill when it comes. And because of that, you may be forced to, into slavery. You see, you and I, we might go a little hungry and we might be a little trepidated when the credit card bill comes, but, but the reality is we aren't facing those type of situations, are we? We're really not going to go hungry today. We're not being threatened with slavery if we can't pay our bills. But yet the people that Jesus is talking to today in our passage are people that faced those real realities. They were individuals that if they lost their, their jobs, if they were injured, if they became ill, very well may have never been able to put food on their table again. Or if they couldn't pay their debts, they very well could have been thrown into slavery. But yet Jesus says to him, look at the birds in the air. Look at the lilies in the fields. Look how God takes care of them. Will not God take care of you even more? Jesus says to him, do not worry. 
Now, I'm not saying you and I aren't faced with real issues, real problems in our lives. We are. We do. I understand that I have a mortgage to pay. I have two teenage daughters. I have plenty to worry about. But so often that worrying is a reflection of my inner being, not my outward circumstances. I mean, for some people, a, a bad hair day is the end of the world. But yet for some people, the diagnosis of cancer is dealt with with, with courage and strength and a fortitude that we can't begin to imagine. You see, it's not a reflection of our outward circumstances, but rather of our inner condition, of what's going on inside of us. Some of you might recall the name Tug McGraw. Tug McGraw was a professional baseball pitcher for the New York Mets. You probably have heard of his son, Tim McGraw, the country music star. But, but Tug McGraw, he, he kind of became known for what he called his frozen snowball theory. And Tug McGraw's frozen snowball theory is this. As a relief pitcher, he would say, you know, if I came in at the end of a baseball game, and my team was up by one point, one score, and I come in to pitch, and the bases are loaded, and a big batter up at the plate. There is nothing within my being that wants to throw a baseball. But then Tug would say, that's when I would remind myself that in a few million years, this planet is going to be hurtling through space like a frozen snowball. And there's not going to be anyone who cares or matters or even thinks a second thought about this pitch that I'm about ready to throw. I think that's a pretty good perspective on life. The frozen snowball here, you know what? What really matters? What really is important in life? It's not the outward circumstances, it's the inner condition of our hearts, our souls, our being. So I wonder, I wonder how is it that you and I can protect ourselves? How can you and I overcome our human tendency to, to be worriers? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to live in the present. If we're not going to be eaten up inside with worry and anxiety, we have to live in the present. Jesus says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Focus on the here and now. Live in the moment. I mean, I don't want to disappoint anybody, but look around the room. No one in this room is God, are we? Not a single one of us. And so we cannot control what is going to take place tomorrow. All we can do is live in the here and now. Our worrying in the moment is not going to change anything tomorrow. So what good is it? Focus on the here and now. 
Richard Carlson wrote a book entitled Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And, and Richard got the, got the inspiration one day of, of, for his book when he was stuck in a traffic jam with his young daughter in the car. Now, obviously, the young daughter was paying attention to the other people in the cars that were stuck in traffic with him because she asked her daddy, she said, Daddy, why are all these people mad? Now, Richard had not really noticed the other people in the cars, but, but this kind of forced him to, to look around. And, and sure enough, he, he could look in their faces and see the expressions on their faces and, and determine that maybe they weren't mad, but he definitely could tell they were not happy. And it caused him to begin to think and wonder what was going on in their lives. Maybe, maybe they weren't happy because, because they had an appointment to get to and the traffic jam was making them late. Or maybe they needed to, to get home to, to pick up the kids from the daycare center or to fix dinner or, or to get the kids to soccer practice. Or maybe they had, had work that needed to be done and they couldn't do it sitting there in traffic. Or maybe they were just simply mad because they were stuck in traffic. And, and he got to thinking about this and, and he realized, that, you know, is it really that big of a deal? All of these things? That's how he got the inspiration of how to write, to, to writing his book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And actually, the whole title is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. In fact, in his book, he says, you're born, that's big stuff. You die, that's big stuff. And everything in between, small stuff. Small stuff. You and I, we, we need to focus on what's important, and that is right here and now. Focus on today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We have enough going on in the here and now. Let's focus on that. But I think another thing that we can do to, to protect ourselves from, from being eaten alive with worry is to always try to do what is right. Not only live in the present, but, but try to do what is right. Jesus says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The key in that passage is to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness. To do what is right. To do what God desires for us and with us. In 1942, there was a young boy who had heard that it would be fun and he thought it would be interesting to try to put a penny on the railroad tracks to see what it would do to the train. And this little boy, he made his way down to the railroad tracks and he started to bend down to put his penny on the railroad track when he noticed that a cop was watching him. And when he saw the, the cop, the police officer, he, he got afraid and he, he ran off, confident that he had done something terribly wrong. 
Oh, that little boy continued throughout his life to worry about that moment. He was always concerned about how he, he did something wrong. And finally, in his upper 80s, this now old man went to the police station to confess to his crime. You see, it had eaten him alive his entire life, worrying about what he had done. And so he went to the police, and he, he demanded that they go back and, and find the police report that had been filed on that day. The officer on duty kind of did a cursory search, as you can imagine. And he told the man that there had never even been a report filed on that day of an incident. But, but the man insisted that, that he needed to, to, to make right for his wrongs and, and he needed to know what his punishment was going to be. And the police officer tried to explain to him that, that there was no crime, there was no punishment. And even if there was, the, the statute of limitations had long since run out. But then the police officer had a thought. And he gave the man this very stern lecture about proper behavior and told him never to do that again. And the man finally, because of that, found some relief from his past actions. We all do something wrong. We all have done something wrong, said something wrong, each and every one of us. And because of that, so often we, we are filled with regret and shame. And, and we allow that regret and shame and guilt to, to fester and eat at us. We worry about it. And the only way we can overcome that is to always try to do what is right. To do what God desires for us and in us. You see, if we aren't going to be overcome with worry, we have to focus in the present. We have to try to do what is right, but I think most importantly, we need to know this. We need to know that we can trust in God's love. We can trust in God's love. Jesus says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? When you and I realize how much God loves us, when we realize that because of God's love in our lives, that God is going to take care of us. We insulate ourselves. We protect ourselves from worrying so much. When we stop playing that, that what-if game, if we just focus and know that we can put our trust in God's love, I love how Isaiah puts it. He says it this way in the 49th chapter. He says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. 
And, it's, and Isaiah replies to this, and speaking on behalf of God, he says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, God, will never forget. We, we can't probably even begin to imagine a greater love than a parent for a child. But yet God's love for you and for me is beyond that. God's love for you and me is so, so extraordinary, so unconditional, so ending that we cannot help but to put our trust in him. God loves you and me. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about our past. We don't have to worry about the small stuff or even the big stuff. We don't need to worry and be overcome with worry for finances or family or, or for anything. Because when we know that God loves us that much, it doesn't matter about the circumstances around us. We find life inside of us. And so what I think Jesus is really saying to you and to me today was summed up by Bob, Bob Marley. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't, don't worry, but be happy. Don't be overcome with the things of this world, but be filled with a fullness of life. Live in the present. Don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't worry about the things that you've done wrong, but focus on doing what is right from here on forward. Don't worry. Be happy. Trust in God's love. And so my hope and my prayer today is that you and I might not be eaten with worry. That we might not allow the outward circumstances of this earthly life to get at us. But instead to be filled with a fullness of life that is in Jesus Christ. For if we do that, we don't have to worry. We can be happy. Let us pray. Oh Lord, it is so easy in this world to be the very worried wars, to play the what-if game, to be overcome with, with circumstances of this earthly life, to the point that we feel as if the weight of the world is on our shoulders. At times, it's even hard to breathe. It's hard to imagine taking another step forward. But, Lord, we know that this is not how you desire life to be. You have made us, shaped us, formed us, breathed into us the very breath of life so that we might be filled with a fullness of life. Not that we might be overcome with worry, but that we might be happy in you. And so I pray, O oh Lord, this day that we might live in the present, that we might always strive to do what is right, but that most of all, that we might simply put our trust in your love for us. And I ask this not for just those of us who are in this room in this moment, but 
but I pray that we might share that message with all of your children through the ways in which we live our lives, the words in which we speak, the actions that we take. For, oh Lord, we know that our sisters and brothers worry, worry, worry. This day, oh Lord, as we seek this upon ourselves and upon those around us, we, we come to also lift to you those that are in our hearts. We pray for healing and strength, guidance and protection. We pray for those that are on those final steps of earthly life or who have taken that final step. We also pray for those that have suffered loss due to flooding and those whose lives are in turmoil. We ask that you hear each and every one of the prayers of our hearts this day being present in these lives so that they might know that they can put their trust in you. And so Lord, as we ask all these our prayers, we know that you hear them and that you are present. For we lift them to you in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And hear us also, O Lord, as we join our voices together to pray the prayer which your Son, our Savior, has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is Binu Peniyal. You are listening to Cavenomic, a listener-supported podcast bringing to you weekly positive, innovative, motivational leadership conversation.